Well, again, good morning. Thanks so much for being a part of uh, Silver Creek and for joining us online. Uh, we started something last week, and we just want to make sure we remind you about it. Uh, immediately following service, uh, we're gonna, we started this thing called Silver Creek Family Church Zoom Lobby, um, and we would just invite you to come and join us uh, for about 10 minutes. Uh, we just jump into a quick little groups, say hi, get to know a few people, and it was so awesome last week uh, to see some faces and say hi to some of you, and, and just an opportunity to kind of treat it like we used to. Uh, in the lobby here in the building. Uh, so it's just a great thing to do. So we'd love to have you be a part of that and jump on there. Uh, we'll just chat for a little bit and be a part of that. We'll put a link here in the, in the chat version online and you can join us immediately following service. Uh, we'll be there. So we are getting close to the end of our series called Choose Joy. And we've been looking in the book of Philippians and we've been seeing that it is the most positive, the most joyful book in the entire Bible. And there's all kinds of references to joy and, and enjoyment. And, and what we've been seeing is that this is a way that you and I can choose to experience joy in our lives. Now, I think we're all aware, we're all, we're kind of ready for 2020 to be done. Um, you know, we're all thinking, I, I know that we're all of this mindset that we're going to hit January 1st and then everything just gets better. Um, so probably as we get closer to that, well, some, some New Year's resolutions will be made. And so I just thought, why wait? Why, why, why not just get into that a little bit early and maybe make some resolutions for ourselves uh, that might make life better and we might be able to choose joy in the middle of all that's going on. But I'm curious, what is your current, what is your typical process when it comes to New Year's resolutions? So in the chat, just let us know, are you, a, are you one of those never make resolutions kind of person? Have you, have you made the resolution that you will never make a resolution? Are you, are you a once in a while resolutioner? Maybe you're a, I used to make resolutions, but now I'm more mature, so I don't. Are you, are you a one resolution a year? Or maybe Maybe you're like, uh, you go with the uh, warehouse version of like multiple resolutions, and if you make a whole bunch of resolutions, there's a good chance that one of them will stick. Which, what is your resolution process? Today I want to give you five resolutions or sort, five mindsets that you and I can begin to pursue. And if we would begin to pursue these each and every day, if we would begin to focus on these, ultimately looking at who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us, if we'll pursue these, if we'll allow these mindsets to begin to take place in our lives, it will lead us to a place where we'll experience joy more often. And honestly, if we'll start to put these into place, these can be accomplished in about 15 minutes every day. And then they just sort of remind us what to focus on as we move through the day. And it's not just about positive thinking. This is really about focusing our thoughts and paying attention to who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us and then what's available to us through a relationship with him. So before we dive in, let's, let's read the verses out of the book of Philippians that we're going to focus on this morning. Uh, we're looking in Philippians 3, 1 through 14. Here's what Paul wrote. He said, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence." If, ever, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law of Pharisees, as for, a zeal, as for zeal, 
persecuting the church. As for legalistic, righteous and faultless. But whatever has, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and it is by faith. I want you to know, I want you to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ, or for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, We've got a ton to cover today. We went through a bunch, and I've got five different things that I'm going to tell you about, and then five traps. So if you happen to be wearing a hat, I would hold on to it, because we are going to move. Because here's the first thought. The first thought that we need to do is every day we need to relax in God's grace. Every day, relax in God's grace. Because here's the reality. You and I don't earn God's approval. You and I do not earn God's love. His recognition is not something that we have to prove to him that we deserve. And there's this huge difference between the idea of religion and relationship. Religion is what you and I do for God. Religion is what you and I do to earn God's approval. And relationship is all about what God has done for us. Jesus is not interested in religion. Jesus is not interested in what we're going to do to prove that we deserve his love. He's interested in a relationship with us. Throughout the Bible, it's all about what God has done for us. It's about pointing to what Jesus ultimately would do on the cross. It wasn't about what you and I would do for God. Jesus explained again and again, he doesn't want religion. And what happens is that joy escapes us every time we think we have to earn God's approval. Every time we think we have to earn his love. Every time we think we've got to keep things cool with God in order for him to love us. Because every time we feel like we have to earn it, we end up failing, and then we feel like we don't deserve it, which is why God so desperately wants us to know that his love for us is not based on anything that we have done. Here's what it said, verse 3, Paul said, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. We don't earn our way into heaven. We don't work our way into heaven. We don't have to prove that we're good enough to get into heaven. It's literally only by God's grace. So what we have to do then is to relax in God's grace. Deciding and recognizing that, that if we rely on grace, then that begins to be a part of choosing joy. So this morning, as I mentioned, we're going to look at these different mindsets. And not only do I want to look at the mindset, so this idea of relaxing in God's grace, but I also want us to look at some traps that can cause us, to, that can prevent us from choosing joy. And when it comes to choosing joy and relaxing on God's grace, what we need to be aware of is that we have to avoid the trap of legalism. Legalism is this attitude that we have to, that we have to prove that God needs to love us. It's, it's proving that G Jesus should choose to be in relationship with us. It's sort of leaning into and trusting that if we, if we do the rules and we do the regulations and follow the rituals and the restrictions, that we'll prove that we're worthy. That's legalism. 
It's really about the idea of trying to keep the Ten Commandments so that God will let us into heaven. Well, for starters, most of us can't even name the Ten Commandments, let alone keep all ten of them. And if you can't name all Ten Commandments, I, I just want you to feel, don't feel bad. Um, as a staff, we were in Canada several years ago. Uh, we, went, we went into Canada on a retreat. And as we were coming back through the border, we reached the border security place and the, the border guard, I don't know what you call him, the guy in the little booth um, who gets to decide whether we come back into America. He, we were explaining, he's like, what are you doing in Canada? And we're like, well, we, went, we, we were up here on a pastor's retreat and we're on our way back. We're a staff at a church. And he's like, oh, you're pastors. And we're like, yes, we are. And he's like, okay, well, if you want to come back into the United States, you need to name the Ten Commandments. Well... There was enough pressure in that moment to name the Ten Commandments that we, were all, we, we came up with eight, and then I think we kind of made up two more. But because the guy didn't actually know the ten, he let us through. But here's the great news. You and I do not have to know the Ten Commandments in order to get into heaven. And even better news, well, maybe not even better news, we don't even have to know the Ten Commandments to get into the United States. Here's what Paul wrote. Paul said this, he says, but I no longer count on my own goodness or my ability to obey God's laws. Instead, I trust Christ to save me, for God's way of making us right with himself is through faith. Paul is a guy that had been an amazing rule keeper. There was literally a time in his life where he counted on his own ability to keep the rules and to be a good man. It would be easy for him to say, listen, I have been, I've done all of the things. He points out all of the things that he has done right and all of the things that he should have done. And it's really easy in our life to begin to tell if we're sliding towards legalism and if we're sliding towards being legalistic. Truly, if we just watch how we treat and how we speak to other people's behavior, if the way we speak about other people's behavior is harsh, there's a really good chance that we're leaning towards legalism. Because we start to become critical of what other people are doing so that we feel good about ourselves. Because as we're not measuring up, as our efforts aren't enough, then we begin to think, well, I'm failing, so if I become critical of other people, then what I'm doing will look better. And out of fear that God won't accept us or that God won't love us, we point to where other people are missing it. And then the greatest evidence that you and I are relaxing in God's grace is when we notice that we're being gracious of our treatment to others. Because when we're living in God's grace, when we're recognizing that God has forgiven us, then we're willing to forgive others. When we recognize all that God has, all the slack that God has cut us, then we're willing to cut other people slack. Relaxing in God's grace is an amazing way to experience joy. In fact, the word joy in Greek is the word chara, and the word grace in Greek is the word charis. So these two words, they, they essentially share the same root word. So what it means is that, that joy and grace are essentially linked at the core. And so the more grace we extend and the more grace we experience, the more joy we will have in our lives. And those two things will rise together. So the first thing we need to do with our minds is we need to relax in God's grace. Then the second thing we need to do is that every day we need to remember what matters. We need to remember what matters. When we begin to get up in the morning and we begin to think about what today is all about, begin to recognize what counts and what doesn't. Don't allow ourselves to be distracted by the things that are inconsequential. That's a big word. I shouldn't use that one. Petty or trivial. The things that don't matter. Using big words. It's not important. 
Because what so often happens is those, those things that are unimportant often are the things that throw us off the most. Get caught at a red light. Urgh. Bad hair day. Urgh. Step on the scale and it just says error. Take a coupon to lunch and find out that it's expired and now we have to pay full price. Like so, Those things are so small and yet so oftentimes we allow them to matter so much. Here's what Paul wrote. Paul said, all the things that I once thought were so important to me, I now consider worth nothing because of Christ. We have to really consider what is most important. I mean, what, what was most important before you knew Jesus? Work? Career? Money? Maybe it was getting a date? Maybe it was being popular? Maybe it was getting a date with somebody popular? Security. Maybe it was feeling secure in your life. Maybe it was being famous. What it, Paul said, I used to think all of that stuff was important. I used to think that it was cool to, to have, all the, have everything good in life and looking good and feeling good. He's like, those things are not important to me any, anymore. Because in the long run, they don't truly matter. And what he's saying is, like, it's not that those things don't matter at all. It's just that their value has begun to change. Because Paul began to recognize that what Jesus did by dying on the cross, by paying for his sin, it began to change everything in how he viewed them as valuable, or what he saw as valuable. Because those things matter, they just didn't matter as much as what Jesus had done for him, and in developing that relationship with Jesus. And so the trap, and what you and I need to be aware of, is we need to avoid the trap of popular culture. Hey, it says avoid the trip of popular culture. You should avoid that trip as well. Avoid the trap, avoid the trip. And I think we all understand why it's considered popular culture, right? It's popular culture because everybody is saying it's popular or everybody's saying it's valuable. It's what everybody thinks or believes should be important to us. And, and there's really nothing wrong with having nice things. There's really nothing wrong with pursuing a career. There's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with collecting really fancy belt buckles or finger puppets or whatever is, you know, whatever. All of those things, it does, it's not that they don't matter. It's just that the trap is that oftentimes we buy into what culture is telling us is valuable. And if we're truly going to choose joy, then daily we have to remember and reflect on what ultimately matters. Paul goes on to explain, he says this, he says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I may have Christ and become one with him. Now, now Paul isn't saying that everything is garbage. What Paul is saying is that compared to knowing Jesus, everything is garbage. Now here's an interesting thing about the Greek word that the, the translated to garbage. The Greek word actually translated there, but the translators were a little bit scared. They were scared to tell us what the real word was. They kind of went a little politically correct. When they translated it, they translated it to garbage or, or rubbish or trash. But really, the Greek word more closely translated, more accurately translated would be the word manure or dung, or poo. Do you want more examples? We got it? Good there? 
Got it? Paul is literally saying that after becoming a Christian, after being into a relationship with Jesus, after he stopped pursuing religion and instead started pursuing a relationship, he was saying that all of the other stuff that he used to worry about, all of the other stuff that used to keep him uptight, all of the other things that used to have him stressed up, he said, compared to Jesus, it is literally worth, should we have kids leave for this part? I, okay, we get it. He's literally saying it is worth nothing. So we have to begin to truly recognize what matters. Also, we need to take on a mindset, a new focus around what Jesus has done, and we need to begin to recognize that you, every day you and I need to get to know Jesus better. When we're in a relationship with God, we are fooling ourselves if we don't think more joy will come by knowing him more and knowing him better. And my guess is that most of us, if, we're, if you're here and you're part of this this morning, you've probably experienced some joy through knowing Jesus. And the reason that we experience that joy is that you and I were created to know him. And the, one of the number one reasons that we exist is that we were created to know him. And then the more that we know him, the more joy we will experience. And if every morning you and I would wake up and just begin with a simple prayer, just saying, hey, Lord, if I, if I don't get anything else done today, I just want to know you a little bit better. Jesus, today I just want to love you a little bit more because I know you a little bit better. Paul describes this in verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death so that somehow I also may be raised to life. The goal is to know Jesus. The goal is to know him, not to just know about him. We have to understand there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference in, in knowing about someone and actually knowing someone. And Paul says, I want to know Christ. I mean, I know about Justin Bieber. And I know about Kim Kardashian. I, I wasn't even trying and I know about them. I, I know about them. I don't know them. But, but I know my wife and I know my kids and I know my friends because I spend time in those relationships. And Paul is saying, I want to know Christ, and I want to spend time in that relationship with him. He uses the word fellowship. At Silver Creek, we, we tend to use the word connect, which basically means we need to be in fellowship and connect and spend time with and get to know Jesus. There has to be some intentionality with this relationship, just like any relationship. And we can grow and know Jesus a little bit better each day through prayer, through reading our Bible, and talking with other people about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done in our lives and in their lives. We can listen to worship music. We can spend time listening to a message or a podcast about Jesus. There are so many activities that are so less valuable and bring so much less joy in our lives than if we would just spend a little bit of time getting to know him better. And the problem that we need to be aware of is we have to avoid the trap of busyness. We get so busy, and to know Jesus, it's going to take a little bit of time. But here's the great news. It's not going to take a lot of time. Literally, if you or I were to spend about 10 or 15 minutes each day getting to know him a little bit more, it would make a huge difference in our day. If we would just spend a few minutes by choosing joy, by investing some time. And here's the deal. The, the time that doesn't have to be a lot, it just needs to be intentional. In Psalm 46.10, the writer says, be still and know. And I know that the word still, being still, that can be a terrifying word for some of us. 
because we are so busy all the time that somehow we've begun to develop a comfort in our busyness. Sometimes we get, we get panicked at the idea of stopping and just being still. But, but when we're still, that is the moment where we can begin to truly know God. And if you really want to begin to know God, if you really want to begin to know Jesus and you're not sure where to start, I would just encourage you, pick up your Bible, turn to the book of John, read John for about 10 minutes, stop, spend five minutes, just reflect on what you've read. If you do that every single day, you will begin to know Jesus better and it will begin to transform your day and it will be a part of choosing joy. Also, every day you and I need to consider where I need to grow Think about all the things that your phone or your watch reminds you of right now, right? On your watch or on your phone, it likely reminds you to drink water, or it reminds you to stand up, or it reminds you to move, or it reminds you to breathe. <laughs> In case you forgot, take a breath. Essentially, reminding myself that I need to consider where I need to grow is like taking your spiritual pulse. It's asking God, would you reveal to me things that need to change? Would you reveal things where I need to pursue help? Would you reveal the advice that I, where I need to get some advice spiritually? In our lives, when we follow Jesus, that's a decision that's then followed by a process for the rest of our life. And we have to recognize that we can't follow Jesus without walking. We can't follow Jesus without a decision to continue to follow a process. I mean, we can begin to enter that relationship and then stop, but we're missing out on what it can be. And so many people have made that decision to follow Jesus. They've said yes to Jesus. They said, Jesus, I will receive the salvation that you offer. And they've accepted that forgiveness, and they've been made right with God. And, and ultimately, they have knowledge that they'll spend eternity in heaven with him. But then, then too often, we stop. And the reality is that when we stop, we miss out on so much of what that relationship with Jesus can be. And a huge part of that is experiencing the joy that is made possible. And for Paul, he's like, he's like super Christian. Paul is, Paul is the guy that when you think about being a Christian, he had it going on. Everybody at that time looked up to Paul. And now for 2,000 years later, we've considered and looked to Paul as the example for what it looks like to follow Jesus. But listen to what Paul wrote. Paul said, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. He's like, I, ha I haven't gotten there. And at this point in Paul's life, he he's getting a little bit older. And at this point in Paul's life, he's now sitting in prison for preaching about Jesus. And he's nearing the end of his life, and he's extremely mature, and yet he says, I haven't arrived. And in that moment, he's like, I haven't gotten there, and if there's anybody that we would ever said, you know what, I think somebody could probably arrive, it would be this guy. It would be, I mean, he wrote most of the New Testament, and yet Paul is saying, I haven't arrived. Even though that he's mature, even though that he's learning, even though that he's writing all about Christ, he's saying, I haven't learned everything it is to be like Christ. He was literally saying, I'm not going to just sit on my blessed assurance and wait for the end of life. He's saying there's got to be a way to grow in this. And so for you and I, we have to be aware and we have to recognize and we have to avoid the trap of pride. It's pride that prevents us from grow growing. Because when there's pride in our life, we pretend like we've got it all together. And the reality is that people around you know you don't have it all together. And God knows you don't have it all together. When it's pride in our life, the only person that we're fooling is ourselves. 
Because ultimately it's pride that stops us from growing. Because it's our pride that we begin to look around and we begin to compare with other people and we begin to go, ah, I'm better than them at least. And because I'm better than that person, I don't need to keep working on it. I'm not making mistakes like that person, so I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And I'm not using words like they're using, so I'm just going to keep saying what I'm saying. What a miserable way to exist. And Paul wants you and I to know that he hadn't arrived. He hadn't figured it all out, which should motivate us to recognize we haven't figured it all out. Paul goes on to say, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. Paul's basically saying, I haven't reached perfection. Each and every day, I need to keep working forward. I'm working to grow. Essentially, he's like, there is no coasting if we want to grow in our relationship with Jesus. And every day, we have to continue to pursue. And it's not a matter of proving that we're worthy. It's a matter of growing and discovering. Choosing not to stop stretching and stop learning. If you and I stop growing, ultimately, we become bored in our relationship with Christ, which leads it to become more miserable. You and I were made to grow. You and I were made to understand him more. And we choose joy when we, in humility, recognize that we need to continue to be teachable. We need to continue to learn how to be a better parent, a better spouse, a better employee, a better boss. And more than anything else, we have to learn how to be a consistent follower of Jesus. Learning what it looks like to bring him honor and glory in the way that we live. Giving focus by choosing to renew our minds, to focus it in on who Jesus is by relaxing in God's grace, by remembering what matters most, by striving to know Jesus more each day, and by recognizing that I need to grow each day. And then the last mindset that we need to take on is every day forget what can't be changed and focus on what's ahead. Your past is your past. What's been done has been done. doesn't matter how much you worry about the past, we can't change it. And we all know this, we all recognize that we can't change the past, and yet so oftentimes we focus on it, and we need to begin to forget what we can't change and, cho- and instead choose to focus on our future. And honestly, I know that so many of you have been hurt. You've been hurt so many ways. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. I'm sorry that you had to deal with that. And as your pastor who who loves you and prays for you, I know that there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of pain. I've heard stories. I've talked to you. I've heard heard about how some of you have been abused emotionally and how you've been abused physically or abused sexually or abused financially. And those hurts are real. And again, I'm sorry that you had to go through those, but, but you and I can choose joy by letting go of those things, by learning to forget those things, by choosing to release them. And instead, choose joy by focusing on what is in the future. Each and every one of us, you have the right, I have the right. We can hold on to the pain. Nobody can force us to release the past. But the longer that we hold on to that pain, the longer that we hold on to that memory, we're choosing to not then choose joy, because you can't have both. You can either hold on to the pain of the past, or you can grab onto the joy of the future. And if we're going to experience that joy, it's a matter of letting go and not dragging the pain of the past into the joy of the present. It's releasing our hold and not not dragging it into each and every one of our next situation or relationship. Because the longer that we hold on to that pain, the longer it's going to steal what is possible and the joy that can be in our future. 
This is what Paul wrote. Paul said, I am focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us up to heaven. Don't miss the effort that Paul is putting in there. He's saying, I'm giving all of my energy. He's saying, I'm giving all of it. And you and I, we have a limited amount of energy. It's not unlimited. That's why we get tired. That's where the fatigue comes. That's where we get worn out. So because we don't have an unlimited amount of energy, don't waste energy on the past that we can't change anyway. Don't waste emotional energy on the things that you can't adjust. I mean, it would be great, wouldn't it? We would all love the ability to go back and, and make something different. It's just, not, it's just not possible, and we know this, and yet so often we hold on to the past, and Paul is saying, you know what? I'm going to put all of my effort, all of my energy, I'm going to forget those things, and instead I'm going to put all of my energy into what is ahead. And focus on forgetting the past and looking to what lies ahead. And honestly, the past can be so powerful. And so what we have to do is we have to work to avoid the traps of unforgiveness, regret, and tradition. Because each of these things are what hold us to the past. Unforgiveness is all of the stuff that other people have done. And regret are all of the poor choices that you and I have made. And tradition is oftentimes that feeling like this is the way that we've always done it. And it's those things, forgiveness, regret, tradition... They all literally can accomplish the same thing by keeping us stuck in the past. Being stuck in, in what people have done to us or the things that we've messed up ourselves or the forces that sort of demand us to continue to do what we've always done. And we've talked before about how choosing to not forgive somebody only hurts us. The, the person that wronged you has probably already moved on. The person that wronged you may not even remember that they wronged you. So, so release the pain and forgive and stop holding on to the past and stop letting it ruin your future. And in terms of regret, sure, we all wish we could go back and do things differently a year ago. We all think about things that we would do differently five years ago. We all think about things we would have done when our kids were little. We all think about, man, if I could go back to high school, I'd do that thing different. The problem is, every time that we focus on what we should have done in the past, it prevents us from doing today what needs to get done. And ultimately, it leads to us tomorrow wishing that we would have done something differently today. So avoid the trap of regret and stop wasting emotional energy on the regrets and instead focus on what you need to do today. Traditions. Traditions aren't necessarily bad. Traditions oftentimes can create memories that last. The problem is, is that oftentimes we allow traditions to grow in such a way that they prevent us from, from developing and transformation because it's just how we've always done it. I mean, think about church. If we held on to tradition, what would church... This, this doesn't, doesn't work. Like, church today looks like nothing it's ever... It's never looked like this before. If you've been around Silver Creek for very long, we change things all the time. We were actually thinking about just going online anyway. So, I'm kidding. That wasn't our plan. You're like, what? No. I mean, if you've been around Silver Creek for very long, if you've been around Silver Creek for 10 years or so, you've gone through a lot of change. And it required you to be unselfish, and it required a willingness to let go of tradition. 
to allow us to become what God has led us to be. And if you like what Silver Creek is, if you're kind of newish to Silver Creek, there are some people that have gone through some tremendous change so it can be what it is. And so to those individuals, I say thank you. Thank you for going through those changes with us. And if you stuck with us through this last year, thank you. Because this has not been easy. But if we truly want the best days of our church to be in our past, then what we do is we hold on to to traditions. And we hold on to what we've always done. But if we want the best days to be in our future, then we put all of our energy into forgetting how we've always done things and instead focus on what we're going to do today. Focus on what we're going to do tomorrow that will ultimately transform the lives of those of us that are a part of Silver Creek and transform the lives of those that are in our community and in our world. And it's the adoption, it's the beginning of taking on these five mindsets and focusing on on who Jesus is that each and every day will help us begin to choose joy. And every week we put some next steps in your program or on the back of the message notes and really just challenge you to reflect and to think about what is it that you need to do today. Maybe your next step is to determine and establish the everyday mindset that will be the easiest, which one of these five will be the easiest, and then get working on that one. Maybe your next step is to begin to watch for the different traps that you most struggle with and begin to overcome them. Maybe your next step is to spend time writing down how Jesus has improved your life. And maybe your next step is to ask God to help you focus on what is ahead, not on what can't be changed. Whatever it is, I would just challenge you to respond to what Jesus is saying to you today. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your incredible love. Thank you for the sacrifice that you made by by coming to earth, by dying on the cross for us. Jesus, would you help us to respond to that by pursuing a relationship with you? Recognizing the joy that is possible if we'll begin to adjust our mindsets and begin to focus on who you are and what you've done. Thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.